Harvey Vidart, Jay. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> Hello, this is Bacord, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> I'm Megan. And I'm Denise. And um, today, before going straight into the book we're reading, we've decided to try out a, like, current reads kind of deal. Yeah, just share what we're reading since we're obviously reading other books besides the one for the pod. Um, mm. What are you reading, Megan? So, I am reading um, The Man Who Died Twice by uh, Richard Osman. And Ooh. this is the sequel to the book I actually read before the book we're, re- like, we're talking about today, um, mm. which was The Thursday Murder Club. Which is probably one of the most delightful new series I have come across in a while. It is a murder mystery series, but it is based around the Thursday Murder Club, which is um, a group of four elderly people living in the, this like kind of fancy retirement community who like mm-hmm. got together every Thursday to discuss like cold cases until um like an actual murder like somehow landed like in their lap and i mean it is the most delightful series really? it is so that cute sounds good oh it's so good and the character the characters are probably some of the best fucking characters ever written That's... um like i mean you just, just the premise to all of them yeah i know right the premise <laughs> of like old people getting together and talking about cold cases i love that just to yeah i think even especially i don't know if they do but just to see if they could solve it possibly and little leads mm-hmm. they have i don't know it seems i like will not fun... spoil it but <laughs> it seems like i will not spoil hobby. it but um, retirement is... goals <laughs> right i highly recommend it it is it's such it's so funny to have like a murder mystery be a feel good. I know that sounds so weird, but like it is a feel good um series, especially the first book when like the people who died were kind of assholes. So like, yeah, you're like you shouldn't like be happy anyone died, but like yeah. also you're not going to cry about it, which is like something that these guys like even discuss. So like it's a shame, but like also like I'm not mad. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, highly recommend if you are looking for, if you like murder mysteries, comedy, and you just want something to help you out of your book slump. I, I think it was a good thing I read it before starting our book. Um, cause I think it really helped me get out of the slump that I've been in for the past, like, what has it been? A thousand months? Um, <laughs> still, you'd say? I would say, yeah. Um, like, I'm, if you look at my Goodreads challenge, I'm, like, nine books behind on my Goodreads challenge, like, and that's, like, after being, like, five books ahead for months, and then, and then, um, god, what month was it? I forget what month it was, but that month hit, and I think I read, like, three books. Yeah. And I thought, like, summer would help with that, and then it didn't. So, yeah, highly recommend this book. Um, I, uh, yeah. I'd be super interested. I, I feel like when I read, um, I don't know if you read the Southern 
The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I haven't, and I've heard so many mixed things. Like, I know there's mixed reviews, yeah. but I've also gotten mixed reviews from, like, people, like, like friends of mine. Like, so mm. it's, like, it's up in the air. Like, it sounds like something I'll enjoy, but I also hear it's that really the... It's really popular. Oh, does it have problematic stuff in it? I hear that. I hear that, like, the execution isn't that well, and I think there is some problematic stuff. I can't remember what it is, but... Like, yeah, it's really popular, and I've seen it, and it sounds like something I'll enjoy, so I just don't know. It might. I can think of what was probably the issue. Um, I remember I, I remember the story mo- more than anything, but it has that premise of people getting together to discuss murder, yeah. essentially. I, and I, I remember reading it and needing more of what that was, mm-hmm. so... I would definitely read the book you're reading, or the series you're reading. Yes, you should definitely do it. It's really good. Highly recommend to our uh, listeners as well. It's like, well, I'm currently reading I Am the Ghost in Your House by uh, Maria Romasco Moore. Mm -hmm. And I started it because I needed a horror read. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the covers for this book and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. I wanted to read it so bad. And then I started it and I realized about 50 pages in that it's not a horror. And I actually had to go on Goodreads because I doubted myself so hard. I was like, is this a horror? This does not read like a horror. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just the cover. The cover is the only thing about it that hints that it's horror nothing else I'm looking at the cover I don't know now. why people on Goodreads shelved it as a horror I don't know why at most it's a ghost story but nothing about the the story itself the writing is even remotely horror I I don't know why they shelved it as horror <laughs> well a lot of things get like shelved um on Goodreads you can shelve something before like even a title is out sometimes like yeah. You can start shelving things like pretty early on. Um so it might have been that too. Like people probably saw Ghost and thought it was horror and that's where it got shelved. And the title alone, I am the ghost in your house sounds mm-hmm. like a horror. Well, that's what I mean, like it sounds the like that they saw that, yeah. Yeah, but it's not. And I I wish you could dispute a label like that on Gurries and be like, "No, you can't shelve it as that." It's Listen, I think but we can anyways. all agree that you should be able to dis- dispute some things on Goodreads. <laughs> but it's it's really good. Besides that, I, I really like the writing. I think maybe like 50, 100 pages went by so fast reading it. It's really interesting. Um, I don't know. Something about it is just really good to me. It's about this... This girl who's a ghost, she was born a ghost, right? Her mom, I guess, was, she had some sort of condition where she, over time, what I understand from not having finished the book is she, over (laughs) time, started disappearing Mm -hmm. and she became ghost-like and then had a ghost baby. And that's the main character. And she has to deal with um, life in general, while being a ghost, because people are still aware that they take up space without knowing that ghosts exist. 
and mm-hmm. anything that they're invisible and anything that they touch is invisible, but they're still trying to live their lives while not being discovered. And it's a lot of, of the main character's feelings of isolation, of self-identity, of um, trying to be someone when no one knows that she exists. Yeah, kind of that, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, did the tree really fall? So if she has no impact on any of the people around her, what does that say about her? And it's very interesting. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I highly recommend it. I would have done it for my episode, but I feel that it's a book you would actually read. So. Okay. Didn't stop yeah. you last time, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. I think you even had it on your TBR. I checked, and I think I saw it on your TBR, and so it's I put it back It's not. Up. I only have one, but you're not looking at the right one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. I swear to God, it was either that. I think there was another book then that I, <laughs> that I looked. I can't. Goodreads is on the fucking, the weird one. Yeah, and you can't change it now. Yeah, like, I think they officially switched it. I hate it. Fuck. I don't know. (laughs) You used to be able to get out of it. Like, you used to be able to leave the beta, but now you can't. I'm like, fuck. All those times it asked me, will you leave feedback? I should have left feedback and be like, don't do this. (laughs) I'm annoyed. God damn it. How do you even see anything i know it's so confusing okay yeah it's true it's not on your tbr fuck who the fuck anyways (laughs) i mean i think you would still read it you should add it to your tbr thank you (laughs) um and i think that's pretty much all i'm reading usually i have a couple audiobooks going um Mm -hmm. i've read a bunch of audiobooks this month since i just got lasik but i I got annoyed of audiobooks once I could physically read books again, <laughs> or like with my eyes, and I just gave up on audiobooks. Okay, so I actually recommend that you read um, the Thursday Murder Club audiobook because it is one of the best audiobooks ever. Like really? whoever does the narration, it's so fucking good. It is hilarious and so many people on goodreads say the same thing they're like i read i listened to the audio and it is the best thing ever so highly recommend you try this one out then okay i'll see if my library has it what's what's the first one called hold on the thursday murder club the thursday murder club did i tell you that um i got i'm i got another library card yeah, you told I, me. You've yet I to bought, share the bounty, but you you've told me. <laughs> I was gonna get the Brooklyn one, but they removed their online their e cards for everyone oh. if you're not in the state, and so I went with the Queens because I guess that's the second best from what I saw online. Okay, okay I see. I'm gonna have to put it on hold. Can you? Send me the site on how to do that, by the way. For Queen? This has nothing to do with our listeners, by the way. <laughs> I just wanted to share that. Okay, I put it on hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, do it. Because it's so good. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, and then, 
fuck, I feel like there was something else, but now I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but I read... Uh, I think I'm going to start Ace of, Ace of Spades next, because I got the audiobook for that. Okay. That's what I got I going. do not know when I'm going to read that. I'm... I have... I have my audio, because you know how I like to do, like, an audio and then, like, a physical. Like, I go between the two. Yeah. That's what I do, but an ebook and an audiobook. Yeah. So, I think I might do, um, I think I might have, like, my physical read be, um, People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, because I did read the beach read, and I enjoyed oh. that. Oh, you enjoyed it? I did I enjoy it. I think I remember it. you telling me. Yeah. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I was not expecting to enjoy it, but I did. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Your mic is backwards. No, it's not. Oh, god damn it. You have to see the logo. I get confused because there's dials on both sides. (laughs) But you have to see the mute button. I don't like this. Okay, fine. Well, I switched (laughs) it around. (laughs) Thank you, Megan. Um... All right, then, why don't we get started on talking about our book, because I'm really excited for this one. I don't know how you feel, and I feel like if you don't like it, oh. this might be a friendship breaker. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, I know how you felt. You literally texted me, like, two days after starting, saying, I love it! I can't believe we didn't start this earlier! Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, not spoilers, because the book that we are going to talk about today is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yes. Wowza. I fucking love this book. I um, finished it late Friday night, I think. Like, late Friday night, Mm. heading into Saturday. And I seriously... Could, like, I don't know if anyone else has had this happen to them, but my stomach was sick after reading this with how much I enjoyed this book. It was weird. Like, I've never had that feeling before, but, like, I, I felt sick to my stomach with heart palpitations because, like, I just got such a thrill from this book that mm-hmm. I haven't gotten before. And so, like, it kept me up. I was up, like, I was up at, like, for the next morning too because and I couldn't fall back to sleep because I just kept thinking about this book so Damn. like it was it was it was a rough one like this was a rough ending what be, in the fact that how much I enjoyed it so like you didn't want it to end I did like. not want to end okay okay um I I really enjoyed it as well I can't say that I didn't um Especially when you texted me that you were loving. I was like, okay, I'm probably going to love it too. I was worried before we started it just because it's a really popular book and those tend to be Mm -hmm. hit or miss. That's Um, why it took me so long to read this book. It took me so long because of that. It took me a long time to read it because I've read one other book by the author called yes. Daisy Jones Daisy and the Jones Six, and, the six, and, and I did not, did not like that one, like that one mm-hmm. at all. I remember so I that. it was going to be the same thing with this one, but this one was really good. I don't know if... I can't remember. I remember I didn't like the characters in Daisy Six a lot. What mm-hmm. was happening bored me, but I feel that this one had a very similar uh, subject matter to that one, so I don't know why that one really didn't click while this one did, mm-hmm. but this one was really good. 
I don't know. The writing worked for me. The characters, the story. Mm-hmm. There was it. I read it. I think I started it Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I started it the the same day you finished. I'm pretty sure. And then I finished it 15 minutes before we started. Yes, recording. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I only had a few pages left, and it really went by so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like really what to be rated? I rated it a five out of five. So. <laughs> I think me too for enjoyability especially. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I just loved this book. Um and I feel like maybe the reason I loved it more than you, not to say you didn't like it, but I do feel like I loved it more than you um is because of how I, much I identify with Evelyn. Um, I, I mean, figured. I, I 100% figured. I identify with Evelyn so much, um, not just with um, her sexuality, uh, with her identifying as bisexual, uh, which I identify with as well, um, but her just, like, as that person, too. And she said so many things in here that I was just, like, mm-hmm. blown away by, and it oh. really touched me. The author was really good at dropping truth bombs casually mm-hmm. in so many scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evelyn Hugo would just say a line that was so, so spot on. I wanted to grab it and just tattoo it on my body. Oh it my was god, so I know. I yeah. know. I loved it. Like, I know one of the famous quotes from here, like one of the most loved quotes from here that um, I saw, like I see a lot like on like posters for mm-hmm. this book is... um. I am under no obligation to make sense to you. Um, mm. Like, I'm at uh, that one. I know I really loved when she said, don't erase half of me just so you can fit me in a box. Oh, that one's really good, too. Yeah. I have so many I it's, wrote down that oh. I just was in love with. The author was really good at that. The writing mm-hmm. was spot on. Spot on. I especially for Evelyn, I love that her character was so self-aware and was so mm-hmm. eloquent in mm-hmm. putting what people were doing to her in such a well-articulated sentence mm-hmm. for the reader and for the people she was talking to. It was just oh, it was it was spot on. So spot on. I loved it. It's so good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I really, overall, I really enjoyed this book. I just don't think I had that that personal connection that you did. Mm-hmm. But I still, I love what she was saying. It was iconic. So much of it was so true. All of it was true, what she was saying. Mm-hmm. I have so many lines written down that I just, oh, it, like it hit, it hit that spot. Yeah, uh, it it was so good. Um. So, for those of you who haven't read it, or those of you that read it a while ago, um, a quick summary about the book. Evelyn Hugo is a um, elderly, former, like, Hollywood star. She um, gets, like, comparisons to, uh, like, Marilyn Monroe um, and things That's, like that. That is the biggest connection I saw yeah. in real life for her, is Marilyn Monroe. Just yeah, sex and, icon actress. Mm-hmm. Sex icon um, actress. She um is in her what seventies or eighties in this book. She's seventy nine. Uh, and she I is okay. So she's headed into her eighties. She has been kind of like a recluse and 
has come back into the media because she's going to be donating a bunch of her gowns to a charity and um, a magazine is getting like an exclusive from her. And that's how we meet Monique Grant, who is a um, reporter for uh, Vivant, right? Vivant. Yeah. Uh, which, and it basically comes down to like her um, boss Frankie calls her in and is like, hey, you're, you're getting the exclusive from Evelyn Hugo, which is kind of a shock to Monique because she's new to the company. She's low in the totem pole. And we're told Evelyn base Evelyn handpicked Monique and was like it's either um, Monique or no one. So that's why Monique gets the job. And so she goes to meet Evelyn, and Evelyn actually tells her she doesn't want to do an exclusive for Vivant. She wants Monique to write her biography and to sell it for as much money as Monique can. And all the proceeds are going to go to Monique. Like it's. It would be, like, it really would be as if, like, Marilyn Monroe were alive today and she had, like, not been talking to anyone oh, yeah. and, like, straight up was, like, did this to someone. It was like, hey, I will tell you my oh. life story and um, you can get all the proceeds and sell it. Like, just imagine the fucking money, man. I can't even. I mean, just thinking of how a lot of actors and actresses are writing memoirs right now that were open about it mm -hmm. a little bit and people still mm -hmm. love reading their books thinking of will smith's biography viola davis um mm -hmm. people are still 100 percent wanting to read their books i can't imagine someone on the scale of marilyn monroe doing it mm -hmm. holy shit yeah that's unimaginable unimaginable i mean especially because i feel like we are so used to celebrity memoirs now, whereas I feel like it just wasn't a thing, especially for a lot of celebrities yeah. from that time period that we're talking about. Because um, you had to keep everything close to your chest, because if Any anything got out, you would be ruined. Anything that the public saw as a mm -hmm. scandal or didn't approve of would 100% ruin you. Yeah. And I think it's hard to comprehend even for us, considering so much of a celebrity's life is in the public eye, even mm -hmm. the what happens behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Thinking of um, Kim Kardashian, who's the next sex icon I can think of, mm -hmm. keeping up with the Kardashians. I know. We have so much of their private life. But not even just like, not even just a celebrity who does that like the paparazzi now like oh. oh i mean we have such an open door to these celebrities now i feel like that like i know they had those back then as well like you still had to be super careful mm -hmm. like they had paparazzi then but it just wasn't the same extent i mean yeah you like because it's not even just the paparazzi now it is just normal people with their fucking phones like Oh Any, yeah! Like anyone can get your picture now. Like you don't and get a heads on up. TikTok goes yeah. viral. The, like celebrities don't get a heads up now because you know, like oh look, there's that big bulky camera they have to carry around. Like now, like everyone Set has up. a camera. Put the, exactly. Put the little blanket over their head. Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, wait, say so. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse. 
Excuse me, can you trip one more time, please, Miss Lucille Ball? <laughs> I need you to fall on your oh face one God. more time. <laughs> now you have a drone. You have, like, three different angles. I know. I know. Yeah, like, it used to be celebrities, too, like, were so much. Like, and that's going to be brought up in this book, like, there was a sanctity in celebrities' houses that there just isn't now because of, like, these drones and with phones because you invite someone into your house, like, they could, like, they just, all they need is their phone. Like, that's literally it. Like, all they need is their phone to ruin you. Um, So, I mean, it just boggles my brain, really, just, like, how different everything is now, but. Yeah, so... So, so yeah, so Monique invites Evelyn, or Evelyn invites Monique into her house to write the book about her life, and she sets out just telling her, and Monique voice records it um, for her to type up later. Meanwhile, in the background, she is dealing with her own issues of an impending divorce from her husband of a couple of years while also trying to set up for no, herself she at is, work. It's not her husband of a couple of years. They've been no. together for a couple of years, but the marriage hasn't even mm, reached like that's true. like they didn't even it's reach true. the Less one than year, a year point. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Which and is like she, a big stickler for Monique. Like Yeah, yeah, which she talks about at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And she's also dealing with the um with trying to stand up for herself at work because she's just been offered this huge opportunity and she also wants to use it as a leverage in getting a better job at work and better pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Evelyn tells her about her seven husbands um, in detail. Well, yeah, she tells her about her life and the, her life is very much framed by the husbands and that like each like part of this book that we're reading um like is split into parts and each and it's all based on whichever one of her husbands it was and which is funny because i feel like her husbands were the least interesting aspect of her which i think is the irony of it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh an imposed irony. I like how the author threw that on its head because even mm-hmm. the the title of the book is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and it's really about her. And mm-hmm. by saying The Seven Husbands, a, at the end Evelyn even points it out, what about the one her one wife who mm-hmm. was the love of her life? Spoiler and that's alert. what the title yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. But I thought that was so iconic. Mm-hmm. And just also who Evelyn Hugo was. She, even though the public tried to frame her as the only, uh, the only interesting thing about her was her seven husbands. Mm-hmm. There was so much more to her than that. And Evelyn Hugo, the name itself, the icon itself, was the most interesting thing. Not mm-hmm. who she married. Yeah, so... Do you want to, like, go through her parts? And we'll kind of do it like the book does it by her husbands. Because my question is to you, what do you think... That first husband who you had totally forgotten about <laughs> when writing the character oh. list. Um, uh, Ernie Diaz. 
he spends such a short time in the book, which is why I forgot about him. And forgot I thought Don him, Adler yeah. was her first husband because he really I just, know he did. She, she even says, I married just to get out of uh, Hell's Kitchen and that's it. So, yeah. Well, like, I, I would argue that I would argue that Ernie's her mo- is her most important husband besides Harry. <laughs> I think I, I think the marriage to him, yes, did a lot for her. Well, and that's what I mean. Like that, I don't think it got yeah, her but, out. But he himself didn't do much. I guess more so his apathy, more than anything, got her, uh, helped her get a lot of her roles because he mm-hmm. really just let her do whatever she wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> while yeah. she was a housewife. <laughs> which just, I okay, actually kind of loved. Okay. Which I actually kind of loved. So. Um, Evelyn grew up in, um, Evelyn, her, her real name is Evelyn Herrera. She's, um, half Cuban. And, right? She's only half Cuban. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she, her mother died when she was young, but her mother had, like, these big dreams of wanting to become a singer and getting her and Evelyn away from the husband, the father, um, to Evelyn, who is a drunk, abusive shit, and, um, she dies, so Evelyn becomes, like, the woman of the house, she starts getting the beatings, and she finds out that Ernie Diaz gets a, is getting a job out in California. Yeah. Uh, and she... I, I just loved how smart she was. Like, she's 14 years, years old, and she's straight up, like, she developed early. She has these big boobs, and she had, she basically learned from an early age how to use her body to get what she wanted, and was very self-aware of it. Like, she was very self-aware of it, and... Yeah, I think there was... There was one quote I highlighted that was so spot on on page 48. She says, it just goes to show that if you tell a woman her only skill is to be desirable, she will believe you, mm-hmm. which says a lot also for her as a young child using um what she had mm-hmm. as a tool, just another tool in her tool belt to use to get her out of that situation. Yeah, she... She was amazing. Um, Sorry, I just love Evelyn so much. And so she basically convinces Ernie to marry her when she's, God, how old? 16? I don't remember the age. At the she beginning, wasn't, I, was just, I was just crying to myself how young she was. She was so young. But, I mean, she chose it for, like, she chose it for herself. Like, she never should have had to. But she very much chose it for herself. It was her way to get away from her father she was very much in control of the situation, um, in the sense that, like, she chose that, that for that to be her escape. It never mm-hmm. should have been her, like, that never should have happened, but... It should have never been an option. But... Unfortunately, that's what happens, and I am happy that she she was in control of it, in a sense, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so she... And Ernie got married, and they go to California. He lets her get these jobs in Hollywood. Well, no, 
she goes and she gets herself. She gets a job as a waitress at this place where she knows a bunch of people from Hollywood go. Like, she makes herself get discovered. And, I mean, she she was so in control of every, almost everything that happened to her, which I also love. Like, she was deciding her fate a lot of it, which I loved. So what did you ultimately think of Ernie Diaz, her first husband? I liked him. I think that this could have gone, like, if this was real life, part of me thought when this was first, when I was first reading it, I was waiting for him to, like, become abusive or to start being like, no, you can't do this. You need to be at home cooking and cleaning, you know? And he the wasn't. The bar is low he, for him. <laughs> I know, right? It is low for him. But also... Yeah, no. When she yeah. goes to him as like, I want a divorce, he's upset, but he's also like, if this is what you want, like, I'll do it. And he lets her go, and he never tries to, he could have, I feel like he could have tried to ruin her in some way, like, early in her career somehow, you know what I mean? And he yeah. didn't. Like, he took the money, he said goodbye, got married to the woman that he did want for his wife, the woman that he thought Evelyn truly was, and then just lived his life, you know? And I I, I appreciated him for that. I appreciated him for being the tool that he was. And I don't I mean tool as an insult. I mean, like, he was literally a tool. <laughs> like, she used yeah, him no. to get what she wanted. And he let her, and he was okay with it. Yeah, he was, he was, I think, I liked how, I think, Evelyn Hugo, Evelyn mentioned when they parted, they kind of had a mutual acceptance of each other, where he went on to get married and have kids, which is what he ultimately wanted, and she went on to have her career, which is what she ultimately wanted. So I think that neither of them really lost anything i think they were just kind of stepping stones for each other mm -hmm. um well i think he was I'm, a stepping stone for her i think he, he was a huge stepping stone for her. yeah but i i do think that he really had this picture in his head so when she first asked him to if like she could uh she's like hey can i spend some of the money like can i become an actress or whatever and he was like, sure, I think it's a smart thing to do. You'll get better. Oh, when she was asking to do acting classes. Mm -hmm. And she had, so, like, that's spending money and stuff. And he's like, sure, I think it's a smart thing to do. You'll get better. And who knows, you might even star in a picture you one might. day. Yeah. You and might. She, I remember that. <laughs> and she in her head is like, I would star. I want to punch his lights out. But I've since come to understand that it wasn't <sighs> Ernie's fault. None of it was Ernie's fault. I told him I was someone else, and then I started getting angry that he couldn't see who I really was. And that's really true. She had painted this picture to him because she wanted to get out, and he fell for that picture and then wasn't seeing who she really was, and that was getting frustrating to her. I like, highlighted that part, too. Mm -hmm. It just was so spot on the self-reflection from evelyn mm -hmm. for that moment of realizing her own part to play in that and how mm -hmm. he thought of her and how he didn't really see her as what she saw herself as or who, who she wanted to be she she mm -hmm. helped with that 
And I think that says a lot. I mean, just thinking of um, like our own personal lives, like if we are ever guilty of doing the same with some people where we want to be seen as less as for some reason and Mm -hmm. the frustration that can come from that. Yeah, she 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 has so many self reflections in here that I loved. Um like another one that I loved when she was thinking about it was she and um uh, Ernie are getting that divorce and um she says she's thinking back on everything and she's like, So how can I condemn the fourteen year old girl who did whatever she could to get herself out of town. And how can I judge the 18-year-old who got herself out of that marriage once it was safe to do so? And then it goes on to say, Ernie ended up remarried to a woman named Betty who gave him eight children. He died in the early 90s as a grandfather many times over. He used the payout from the studio to put down a down payment on a house in Mar Vista, not far from the Fox lot. I never heard from him again. I mean, he was, it, he was a tool and I just, I respect him in the sense that he went out with dignity and I, I do love that self-reflection from, um, Evelyn was. I, I think it also speaks to how she says that she has no real regrets of her life Mm -hmm. and especially looking back at your own life and thinking, oh, I should have done this different. Oh, I should have said this or thought this and Mm -hmm. she recognizes that you know i did the best with what i had the the confidence in herself and in her past self to just believe that she did everything she could and she she, you know she handled her shit and i think Mm -hmm. that is something to admire and just have more confidence in yourself yeah so i i love that part and then we move on to the next part. Um, so during this divorce, she had gotten um, the reason they got divorced was because she was getting more parts and she wanted to start to star in some films. And I loved how like she went up to Harry and was like, "I want this part. Give me this part." And he's like, "And Harry is like, here's like, what you gotta do." Yeah. <laughs> And I loved that relationship with Harry and Evelyn, by the way. Um, Oh, I have... I could go on a freaking long-ass rant. What's the positive version of a rant? I don't know, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So many different kinds of platonic love in this book. Mm -hmm. Of just characters that aren't in love with each other, but love each other from their souls and i think she says that about harry that they're soulmates without they are, the, the harry was her part. soulmate harry was and her I soulmate that. i, I don't that. i know celia was the love her of her life but harry was her soulmate they had that connection and i think that's beautiful to see in a book that you would think would center around the main um romantic love between her and Celia I love that there were Mm. other relationships in Evelyn's life that were just Mm. love just platonic love and I loved especially hers and Harry's it just oh from the beginning he was her rock he was the foundation upon which she built her life 
Well, because he was. Like, he produced all her movies, pretty much. Like, they were partners um, in every sense of the word, except, like, in every sense of the word, they were partner, life partners, really. And, um, and so... They've been married at some point. <laughs> I know, right? Marriage um, Her partners. longest marriage. And... Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So she and... So she divorces Ernie because back then, the thing that stars did and probably still do now, I don't think it's as, like, in, but, um... Being part of a power couple, like stars dating each other, was oh, like, it's still a thing. <laughs> it's still a thing. Like Straight it up. was, uh, it was such a thing. And so she was going to be stepping out with um other big stars to help her star um get higher. And that's when we meet Don Adler. Fucking Don, just. Just the name. You know who I pictured him as for some reason? Who? Uh, what's his name? The guy from Mad Men. John Hamm? Yes, John Hamm. <laughs> really? Specifically how he looked specifically how he looked in Mad Men of just that gelled back look confident. Okay. But I think he was blonde, mm-hmm. right? I think I think Don was blonde. But it just kinda that comp- that overconfidence. I don't know, honestly. I just it, I don't think most he of was them blonde. as blonde. Was I we, well we definitely know that Rex was blonde because he was from yeah. Iceland. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So Don Adler, um, he was the god, like what, the Marlon Brando almost? I don't know. Yes. I, don't, I guess, I don't think... like, he also, like, was becoming, like, he wanted to be, like, he wanted to be seen as, like, that action hero. Like, hmm. he wanted those parts. Basically, he was the king of well, Hollywood. and He, he wanted had... to outshine his parents' legacy because they were also big Hollywood Yeah, people. yeah. I don't remember they if were... actors specifically, but they were, well, I think one was, might have been a producer, but he just wanted to outshine them. No, I think they were actors, but... They were um, actors? Okay. Yeah, but the Adler family was, like, Hollywood royalty, and he um, he became the, like, king of Hollywood, and he wanted to rule the town, and he and Evelyn had this really passionate love for each other, um, and, the, like, it was quite, I mean, at the beginning, it was quite beautiful, I thought, like, well, they got lucky she, in that. She, I, she says at the end that Dawn and Max Gerard, her second and last husband, were the only two that she went in thinking it would last. Mm-hmm. And it was just so passionate mm-hmm. in its origin. Yes, but she definitely thought it w- She definitely had those rose colored glasses on for way longer with Dawn than she did Max. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, and I it, think because it was one of it was her second marriage and she mm-hmm. was barely starting out in Hollywood, she still had that um naivete as to where mm-hmm. she think what she thinks she could get out of Hollywood mm-hmm. well, without having to give up she, a part of herself. She and Don became the power couple of Hollywood. They became the king and queen and um I think 
she like they were buying the story they were selling as well you know what I mean like they bought into that and she and Don got married um and I mean so much of it it's so funny because I they really did love each other but they also were aware that their love was also for publicity because Don on top of asking Evelyn to marry him like he's like he gives her the ring and he's like I'm not this I'm not asking you to marry me right now and she's like what he's like <laughs> I just want to know you'll say yes cuz I'm about to I'm going to ask you in front of everyone at the movie premiere <laughs> and, and like <laughs> like they were so aware of what their love was as well um and it was a tool it was a tool for them it was mm -hmm. It was just another, it was kind of like another role for them to play in the fact that they had to play it up. They had to make sure it was the right setting, the mm -hmm. right lighting, the right people were there. They had to set up that scene so perfectly and it just. Yeah, but I think the problem was, was that they fell for each other, especially in that Evelyn fell for him. I feel like that marriage could have been super successful if they had gone in not loving each other but the fact that they mm. did it is what made it as tumultuous as it was i think it would have i think it would have never lasted no matter what just mm -hmm. because of how don handles failure yeah, i think don it was so short and it was on his his rising uh mm -hmm trajectory so he was in that you know you you're meeting someone at their best mm -hmm. but she got she got to finally see him at his worst mm -hmm. but more so when his, that trajectory was going downwards and mm -hmm. i think that no matter what he would have anything could have taken him there yeah so so she and don got married they were the power couple but don was an alcoholic like Probably most of Hollywood was at that time. Um, I mean, that's how they <laughs> serve. I mean, I hate to say it, but like. I'm surprised they weren't addicted to at, cocaine, too. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Like, half of Hollywood was addicted to cocaine. Just read up what was done to Judy Garland, and like, you will know what I mean by like alcohol and drugs ruled hollywood for a very long time if it doesn't still i think and it, i think it still does um 100 because a big part of um a big part of your star was being part was going to parties and so he was an alcoholic and he did not handle his anger well and that his way to handle his anger was hitting Evelyn. Yeah. I really loved how this was um, handled. handled in here because I feel like she must have talked to some survivors, like domestic abuse survivors, because I feel like how he... Like, how she felt towards Don, especially during that time, um, was very true to how d 
domestic abuse survivors felt towards their abusers, um, at, like, when, mm. when they're with them, you know what I mean? It's the blaming themselves, um, providing excuses, still loving the person, who, like, still loving their abuser. Yeah, I think uh, Evelyn even touches on it a bit more towards the end. I can't remember mm -hmm. where it takes place yeah. in between the husbands, but she does have to meet with Don again years, I'm thinking decades maybe, 20 years or something after they divorce. Mm -hmm. And she even talks about what it's like to give someone absolution versus forgiveness mm -hmm. and what that also means in your head mm -hmm. um, versus what you say and how you feel after. Yeah. I think I... I, I can't imagine. I. But, yeah. yeah. Well, and it still affected, like, and it still affected her to that day because, um, so when they were married, um, they made, they made three movies together and because everyone wanted, they were the king and queen of Hollywood, so everyone wanted to see them together and they were making that last movie and I think... So the first movie they did together did well, but I guess the second one they did didn't do so well. And that's when Don started to really started to drink more and start to get more angry. And they were filming the third one, and that's when he hit her for the first time. And Evelyn, like, he apologized, like, right after he apologized and apologized, like, and Evelyn, like, took care of it. She lied about how it happened, like, all this stuff. And, um, at the end of that, she said, so the movie was called One More Day, and she said, Don and I were both nominated for Academy Awards for One More Day, and I think the general consensus was that it didn't matter how talented we were, people just loved seeing us together. To this day, I have no idea if either of, either of us is actually any good in it. It is the only movie I've ever shot that I cannot bring myself to watch. And to me, that, I mean, that was so powerful because she she will go through so many different trials in her life, but you can still tell that first time that abuse happened still affected her greatly and that she couldn't watch that film because that was why, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think even um, also when she meets up with Ruby mm -hmm. after learning that, because um, they later on got married after she divorced mm -hmm. Don, and he got married to Ruby, which is one of her, um, I believe, co-stars, but also someone who's a semi-friend. They were frenemies. Yeah, and learning that it wasn't just Evelyn, it was her too, and that... Um, what that meant, yeah. that kind of connection that she felt to Ruby, even though they um, they weren't they weren't friends even after she learned that, even in that moment, mm -hmm. she wanted to offer a handout to Ruby, but she even says she's she says that um, it doesn't mean we can be friends after this, but Evelyn still feels that connection formed from pain, from empathy mm -hmm. that she felt for Ruby and the situation that they both survived with Dawn. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good segue into, by using Ruby, to talk about the movie 
that is one of the most important movies that Evelyn did uh, for many reasons, which is the fil- film adaptation Little Women. Ah. Which I thought was really interesting because Evelyn was Joe, and I'm sitting here like being like, Marilyn Monroe as Joe. Like, I was like, that's what I was trying to picture. And I was like, interesting. Would I watch that movie? Fuck yeah, I would watch that movie. But interesting but the, choice. <laughs> the energy she would give Joe, who out of all of them, I think has the least, how, how do you say it? Sex appeal? Sex I don't want to, I guess, yeah. Well, even thinking of all the other sisters, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any character I would have put her to play, but I guess that speaks to how good an actress she is. But Mm -hmm. also, how do you, how do people see you in that role when they think you're so sexy and you're playing one of these four sisters? Yeah, exactly. I know, right? I know. Little Woman is not a, um, is not a sex symbol movie, so... It was really interesting. Um, but so Little Woman, it was starring Evelyn as Joe and then Ruby Riley as Meg. And Ruby and um, Joe were already quote unquote friends. They were the, like Evelyn says, like they were the fake Hollywood friends. Like they were friendly with each other, but they didn't trust each other. Um, some other lady is um, Joy Nathan as um, Amy, I don't think Joy's ever really talked about again. I can't remember. Um, is and then, she the one who ends up marrying, or that Rex has an affair on her with? That gets pregnant? Yes! Okay, so she does come back oh, later. Okay. Oh, she does. I didn't realize okay. that until you said her name, and I'm like, oh, that's the girl oh, that gets pregnant yes. and marries Rex. Full circle. Yeah. Hollywood's really just incest. Ah! And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, um, C- Celia St. James as, uh, Beth. And I love how, like, Ruby and Evelyn got together. And, like, the first time, like, we really learn about Celia St. James, um, Ruby and Evelyn are like, why the fuck is she in this movie? She will act us under the table. Like, they knew a meet, like, what a bitch. She- <laughs> They were immediately like, no, 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 no. Like, like they, she's such a, she's a better actress than us. Fuck her. <laughs> they, she's trash. they knew immediately. They knew immediately. Like she was the talent. And when they meet Celia, who I think was like, really actually was trying to make friends. Poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Evelyn's like, I see you. Like I, I love how Evelyn was like. What game is she playing? Whereas I don't think Celia was playing any game at first, really. I think she was just trying to be friendly. Yeah, when she would show up on set and try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I think her inviting her her inviting her out to ice cream, I wonder if that was even her trying to take advantage of her or if it was just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, totally. I was trying to take advantage of you. Ha ha, you got me, Evelyn. Yeah. I don't want to go out for ice cream with you. I want, <laughs> I have ulterior motives. <laughs> and yeah, so that brings us to one day Celia invites her to go out to ice cream or whatever and um, Evelyn's like, sure, whatever. And when Celia suggests a super popular place like where people go and like they would definitely get photographed Evelyn immediately tells her where to go like I know your game 
Well, I call she, the not shots. even that. Like mm-hmm. she immediately when I said she tells her where to go, I mean she literally gives her directions. She's like, turn here. Turn here. Like and she She them. literally told her, if you don't go where I tell you, I will throw myself out of this car. <laughs> <laughs> and Celia went and that was like Evelyn putting her in her place, like, you tried, but no. And Celia listened, and they have a really honest conversation about the type of people they are. Um, Celia immediately knew Evelyn's game. Like, she immediately kind of understood Evelyn, and they became best friends. Best friends. Well, they were best friends at first. (laughs) And they... They started, like, spending, like, a lot of time together. It got to the point where um, Celia was able to, she would walk into Harry's office while Evelyn was there without really even, like, waiting to be invited. Like, she knew that's where they were. And, side, um. Side hmm? bar, who do you think the real life person, who, real life version of Celia St. James would be? And imagine them being best friends with Marilyn Monroe. I can only think of more modern ones, but I'm trying I'm, to think of I'm someone almost that's America's Ar- sweetheart. Audrey I can only Hepburn? think of Taylor Swift. Maybe Audrey Hepburn. Like looks wise, I'm thinking Lucille Ball with her yeah. red hair, but she didn't do like she didn't act like Lucille Ball. Like she was America's sweetheart. Um, I'm I'm really it's Audrey Hepburn, kind of popping up. Yeah. Maybe Jane imagine. Fonda before she got political? Mm, I don't know if I see Jane Fonda. I know, right? I don't know. I'm going with I'm going with Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> I'm going with her. <laughs> Just imagine that relationship though. As as a regular person seeing that friendship form on the on the mm-hmm. screen, I'd be like, huh. Would have been amazing. Where Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying. Now you have me thinking, like. Well, the, I feel like there was I fucking hate equivalents for everyone else. I can't think of someone that I could see as Celia St. James. I know, like, but in the sense when have she's described as a, when she's described as America's sweetheart and the type of movies she's in, I'm seeing either Audrey Hepburn or Debbie Reynolds, maybe an early Meg Ryan. But even that seems more, con- like, contemporary. I'm going with Hepburn or Reynolds. Oh, and she say Debbie Reynolds. Okay. Yeah, I think Debbie That's Reynolds, because Debbie, which would make sense because Debbie Reynolds and um, Elizabeth Taylor were, like, BFFs for, like, a super long time. And Deb- Elizabeth Taylor, Evelyn Hugo is kind of, like, a mix between Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when you're bringing in the husbands, like, that is tailored to, like, a T. <laughs> Get it? Taylor to a T. <laughs> oh and I'm blocking you. And she and Debbie Reynolds were like BFFs until um and then they had a falling out um because Taylor had an affair with Reynolds' husband, but then they kind of got over that like years later. So I'm going with okay, I'm changing my answer. I'm changing my answer answer. Uh Tom, I'm changing it to Debbie Reynolds for um a million dollars. <laughs> You're not getting quizzed on this. I was just curious. I'm getting quizzed on it. That is what is happening. I feel pressured. So it's Marilyn Monroe and Debbie Reynolds. And would I watch that movie? I fucking would. 
I had no one in my head, so I just wanted to see who you would bring forward. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I grew up watching genre classic movies with my dad. Um, like, I, like, old Hollywood, probably another reason this book really resonated with me is the old yeah. Hollywood. I love old Hollywood. It holds such a place in my heart because it was such a special thing with me and my dad, um, who has passed away. Um, like, I will watch old movies just to feel close to him. Um, so that was probably, like, that's, honestly, this is one of my favorite books of all time. And it's probably because of all the connections I was feeling from it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that was probably a reason, too, that you and other people mm-hmm. could connect to it. But I did not mm-hmm. watch those any of those movies until, as an adult, trying to catch up on older classics. I think I saw my first Audrey, the one of the most famous Audrey Hepburn movie was in. I think I saw that when I was in college. Um, the one, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, okay, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah. I just thought of it. Yeah, so none of this has any nostalgia feelings for me or any connections that I can think of. I don't, I yeah. seemingly know some things about Audrey Hepburn, Lucille Ball, and all those mm-hmm. other actresses, but it's just kind of names. Yeah. 